Welcome to Beyond the Hall of Winthrop. International Women's Day is a global day celebrating the social, economic, cultural, and political achievements of women. The day also marks a call to action for accelerating women's equality. Moderated by UWA grad Haley Winchcombe, hear from four amazing UWA graduates from diverse backgrounds and industries who face difficult circumstances, made tough choices, learn how resilience has been a key to their success, and will use this opportunity to highlight their stories and celebrate their achievements. Thank you everyone for coming and joining our podcast today and welcome to the UWA International Women's Day podcast for 2022. Um, today I'm joined by a panel of esteemed and distinguished uh, guests who are all graduates from the University of Western Australia and I'm so excited to be joined by them and we're just going to hear a brief introduction from each panellist and a little bit about their favourite uh, hangouts from their time at the University of Western Australia, and also what International Women's Day means to each of you. So I'll start with Associate Professor Carmela Pestel. She's an Associate Professor in Clinical Psychologist and Clinical Neuropsychologist and a Fellow of the Australian Psychological Society and based in Perth. Carmela, did you want to share some words about yourself and your favourite hangout at UWA and what International Women's Day means to you? Thank you, Hayley. Yes, and thanks for inviting me here today as well. I'm a clinician and researcher and I've actually am still based at the UWA School of Psychological Science. So I completed my undergraduate degrees here and uh, a couple of master's degrees and uh, I did post a a doctor of psychology actually at another university but I worked in the health department for around 20 years but came back to UWA in 2013 and I'm involved in the professional postgraduate training programs here for clinical and neuropsychology and I'm also associate chair of the academic board. I really still enjoy the beautiful grounds at UWA, especially along the river at Matilda Bay. In fact, rather ironically, I took my first steps there as a baby and my family were living in Italy at the time and they came over here for a holiday to check out Perth to see whether it was somewhere that I'd, um, we'd like to live. And it, I thought it was quite ironic that um, that's where I, I first learned to walk. So international... Women's Day, uh, it for me, is a moment to reflect on the accomplishments that women have made in the past and, and continue to make, often overcoming many hurdles to do so as well. So thanks, Hayley. Thanks so much, Kamala, and great to hear about your first steps happening um, so close to the UWA campus along the shore of Matilda Bay. That's a <laughs> wonderful story and, and you're still there now. Um, That's right. Absolutely fantastic. Thanks. Um, next we'll hear from Rebecca Johnston, who's a company director and legal practice director in a whole heap of exciting um, and non-traditionally female dominated areas, including aviation, drone space, transport, logistic and ports. Um, I'll pass over to you to share the full spectrum of what you do, Rebecca, but thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks, Hayley. Um, yes, yeah, so my name is Rebecca Johnston and I am the Legal Practice Director of Johnston Wheeler, uh, specialising in aviation, drones and space, uh, corporate and commercial law, innovation and technology and ports, transports and logistics. So, yes, you're right, Hayley, a couple of areas there that are traditionally um, male dominated. 
I'm also fortunate enough to sit on the board of a whole range of different companies from uh, mining companies through to space exploration companies uh, and, and, air, and an airport as well. Um, in terms of me outside of work, I'm a proud mum and I'm co-founder of Cottesloe Football Club. In terms of my time at UWA, so I attended UWA after completing my um, Bachelor of Laws with Honours and Bachelor of Arts um, as a postgraduate student. So I did my MBA at UWA and very fond of the UWA Business School. I think the MBA quarter was done really, really well. And I definitely spent some late nights and early mornings there. Um, in terms of International Women's Day, for me, you know, I really see it as a global platform to not only celebrate how far we've come in terms of women's rights and opportunities, um, but also to recognise how far we still have to go. So really looking forward to the conversation today. Thanks so much, Rebecca, and really looking forward to hearing your insights with such a broad spectrum of, of expertise from the law to also um, starting a, a football club in Cottesloe. It's fascinating. Next up on our panel, we have Hannah Birdle, who's a lawyer joining us all the way from the UK. And thanks so much. I know this isn't the easiest time zone. So would love to hear a little bit about your background and, and your journey since leaving UWA as well, Hannah. Sure. Thanks, Hayley. So I'm Hannah Birdell. I'm a corporate associate at Latham & Watkins, which is an international law firm. Um, we've got about 3,000 lawyers uh, working at Latham across around 16 countries. So um, there's there's a bit of us, a bit of us everywhere. Um, I have worked and lived in London. So I'm, I'm based in their London office um, and I've worked there for about five, nearly six years. Um, and before that, I, uh, I was working a, a little bit actually in the Dubai office. And then prior to that, um, uh, in, a, in a few different roles across Perth and, um, and a few different places, which, which I can touch on a bit later. I, I studied my LLB and my BCom, which it feels, it only feels like yesterday, but it was actually, I mean, I graduated in 2016. So um, it was quite a few years ago, just before the JD program uh, took over the, the course structure. Um, but I did spend a, a, a lot of time on, on the UWA campus, which was, uh, which, which was just amazing. I think, I think in terms of my favorite hangout, uh, it, would, it would probably be the sunken garden. It's, it's somewhere I'm really looking forward to returning to when, I'm, when I can finally get back to Perth um, once, once the, the quarantine situation has kind of lessened. Uh, but it's just such a magical place. And I think somewhere that I always look back at fondly and, and uh, it was a real place of kind of zen for me, um, especially before and after exams. It's just, there's a reason, you know, that people have weddings there. It's, it's, it's really beautiful. And in terms of what International Women's Day means to me, I mean, I, I definitely agree with, with Rebecca and Carmela, you know, it is such an amazing opportunity to reflect on, on the progress that, that women have made and, and what's left to come. But I think for, for, for me on a more kind of personal level, it, it really serves as a, as a bit of a reminder to, to have some conversations that I might not have had in a while, you know, am, am I checking in with my, with my female mentors? Can, can I be doing more to mentor women? You know, is, is there is there anything I can get involved in through through our pro bono program for, for women and kind of just reconnecting with with the bigger picture is is um is important to me. So I think the, the day is a good reminder of that. 
Absolutely, Hannah. And I think that's great that you use it yourself as a kind of personal check-in, but also as an opportunity to have broader conversations and be reminded of that. And I think this, this podcast indeed is its own opportunity to hear from some really inspirational women and have a conversation that often gets pushed into the background in, in other times of the year. Okay, and we're now going to hear from our last panelist, Dr. Hani Nguyen, who's calling all the way from Singapore and is also um, coming from a psychology background. So we're so excited to have you on the podcast as well, Honey. And we'd love to hear about your experiences at UWA and, and where your favorite hangout was. Thanks, Haley, for the introduction and very happy to be here um, with the other three very extinguished um, panel speakers. And a little bit about myself, I've been in the education, particularly in preschool ed education for the last 20 over years. And it's been really exciting for me. And my focus in the last um, six years has been on inclusion of children with developmental needs. So that has been a push, um, wonderful push um, in Singapore for me. And um, we look forward to um, uh, work in this area. Um, in Perth, um, my favorite spot is actually um, where you can go in the library and watch the ducks. Um, that has been so, so calming for me and watching them have babies every year. And for um, what, what um, for IWD and what it means for me, it's really a reminder for myself. I totally agree with the reflection from the three ladies. Um, but for me, also a, a reminder when I am advocating for uh, children with developmental needs in inclusion, um, I also need to remember uh, what this might mean for my daughters. I have three daughters. Um, so IWT is very important for me. <laughs> Thank you, Haley. I can imagine. Um, and bringing up three women, you must often reflect on what it means to, to be a woman in the world today. And, and really excited to hear your reflections on motherhood as well as um, a, being a professional woman later in the, later in the podcast. Um, so I have a few more detailed questions that I'd really like to unpack with our panellists in order to understand a bit more about what International Women's Day means and, and how it relates to their career trajectories and, and what they've been doing in their specific areas. So my first question I'd like to ask um, Kamala, Associate Professor Kamala Pestel, and it's about empowerment. So we often hear the buzzword empowerment used in different aspects of life, such as empowering youth or empowering people to make a difference or empowering women to take control of their lives, career and health. And these words sound great and they convey a sense of strength and inspiration, but oftentimes it's difficult to understand what empowerment really means and what does it look like on a day-to-day -day, um, practice and how could we actually achieve it in our lives and, and help empower those around us. So I'd like to ask Kamala to, to start and kind of share some of her thoughts on, on empowerment and how it relates to, to our lives more generally. Thanks, Hayley. That's a really 
good question. And I agree that the concept of empowerment is incredibly complex. It also really depends on the context in which you're considering it. And as a, as a clinic, clinical psychologist and practicing clinician, as well as academic, I'm really interested in psychological empowerment and how to foster that in the people I work with. So that might be my clients or trainees or students at UWA or even my colleagues. So it's about kind of tapping in and, and fostering their internal motivation to achieve self-determination or their competence and, and assist them in, in helping them get some meaning in their lives or in, in the work that they do. Unfortunately, there continues to be subtle and not so subtle barriers for women in the workplace that can undermine their confidence and level of engagement and job satisfaction. But fortunately, there's growing awareness around this issue. And that's why days like, you know, the International Women's Day are really important. At UWA, I'm, I'm, I'm lucky to work in a place where they are, uh, you know, sensitive to this and trying to make improvements. For example, there's um, an Athena Swan project, which is an accreditation program aimed to enhance gender equity across the traditional STEM disciplines. And there's a recognition that gender equity will only be achieved when it's addressed in relation to systemic intersectional and unconscious discrimination. In terms of what we can do about it or how we can achieve it, I think it's really important for people to speak up when we notice inequities, gender inequities, even if they're quite subtle. Um, for example, it's quite common for women's titles to be dropped from their, their names. And I've been, you know, I can think of many times that I've been um, about to give a presentation at a conference or as part of a panel and all the males on the panel are introduced as professors and I'm just introduced by my first name for example or it might not be uncommon to have your ideas at a meeting you know be well you be constant, constantly interrupted by others and so you don't actually get the opportunity to express your ideas or or um, put them forward. So over time, that can be quite undermining, I think, and can really affect confidence and can also have flow on effects in terms of affecting, you know, job satisfaction, but also ability to progress in, in one's career. So I, don't, I, I think as women, we, we need to look out for each other and support each other when we notice these inequities and speak up, but also empower um, men and people of all genders to, to speak up and kind of be champions and notice when um, issues occur or when, um, when something doesn't gel. And um, I'm really heartened by the younger generation. I've got a daughter who's in her late 20s and um, they just seem so much more aware of these issues, which is really, um, you know, quite inspiring for me and, and does give me hope for a better future. Hopefully I've answered the question. Hey, yeah, that's um, great. I would definitely agree. And, and some of the examples you brought up around, you know, being interrupted, I've, I've seen that happening at work and I've seen junior female colleagues 
be interrupted and then um, later voice another idea and it's not kind of picked up until someone else picks it up and says, you know, that that woman had a really good idea. Let's listen to that. So one practice I've been trying to make is when I hear a female colleague voice an idea, I'll always um, back it up straight away after and say that was a fantastic idea from th this person. And I think you've kind of highlighted that really well, um, Kamala. So thanks for sharing those examples around um, being untitled or, or being kind of overlooked in, in the workplace. I think hopefully we can all start to notice those things more and everyone of all genders can try to pick up on these subtle biases and, and, and kind of combat them in our everyday lives. Thanks, Hayley. I'd love to now turn to Rebecca. Um, Rebecca, you're a mum, a board member, a co-founder of a football club, legal practice director, um, doing kind of it all, it seems. And I'd love to hear from you about your career journey and if there's been any challenges, stereotypes or barriers that you've had to overcome during that career, and especially across so many different uh, kind of sectors and facets of your journey. Thanks, Hayley. So I think in terms of my career, as you said, it is quite broad. I've worked in a number of different industries and provided services, predominantly legal and consulting services to a whole range of industries. So, you know, I could be dealing with everyone from, you know, construction workers on site uh, or a harbour master at a port or someone who might be in mission control. So a very broad range could be ASX directors uh, or it could be, you know, blue collar workers. And I think it's important to remember that everyone faces challenges in their lives and that's both professionally and personally. So for me, I really like to focus on how you can overcome those challenges. Um, and for me, in keeping in with International Women's Day, just focusing in on challenges and barriers around diversity. And in terms of those challenges around diversity, in my experience, I've actually come up against more barriers in relation to age than I have in relation to, to gender. So I think it's also important when we have this conversation and International Women's Day is a great platform to, to, to bring it up, as Hannah mentioned, but we really need to focus on diversity of not only gender, but race, age, culture and thought, uh, because increasingly, from my experiences, particularly at the board level, it's really that diversity of thought and you don't achieve that just through diversity with gender. It's a huge, very important factor, don't get me wrong, but we have to see diversity across the board. Um, so in terms of the challenges that I've faced, as I said, most of those have been around age. And that's, you know, I think in part because by 25, I was the partner of a law firm. I was a university lecturer and an independent non-executive director. So, you know, traditionally roles that you would see um, of, of more, um, I guess, experience in terms of age um, rather than in your mid-20s. So for me, I think that was a, a fairly big challenge to overcome, particularly not necessarily in terms of clients because, you know, the clients knew that I was good at what I, I did and were happy to work with me. It was actually other members of the profession. So predominantly other um, older, often male partners. And 
I would quite frequently be asked in the early days, you know, you're too young to be a partner of a law firm. How old are you? And questions like that um, quite regularly at, at, at functions or in meetings. And, you know, I think there's a few things that really st stuck with me in terms of um, overcoming those things. And one is back yourself. You really have to, you know, be your own biggest fan and, and back yourself and be confident that, that you can do, you know, what you've said you'll do and deliver. And the other is, you know, don't worry what other people think because I think one of the things, um, particularly in business, is a, a lot of people worry what other people think and I think that can um, be a barrier that we create for ourselves as well. So for me, I've always, you know, tried to back myself and not worry what, what other people think and then patience. Be patient. You know, ultimately... Um, experience in some respects does come with age and you know I've been fortunate to be ranked as a leading aviation lawyer in the Asia Pacific for the last four years um, so you know over time you do become more well known for what you do and, and you work with a broader range of clients on you know really interesting matters and some of that does come with time but I think we need to be you know really cognizant of how important diversity is and really champion diversity in terms of not only gender, um, but age, race, culture, and ultimately diversity of thought. Fantastic, Rebecca. I think that's some really practical advice that we can all take away. It's kind of backing yourself. It's making sure that you're being patient and, and waiting in case um, things are going to come up for you and it's it's not worrying too much about what other people think because that's just standing in your own way of kind of getting the job done and 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 focusing on what you really care about rather than they do and I think that that conversation around um, diversity of race of age of ability of thought of um, people coming from all different walks of life as well is is really important and I think increasingly we're seeing that across across different sectors but particularly in the corporate space there's a recognition that the world can't stay as it is with where there's very few people of color who are in executive suites and there's very few women and there's very few people who are neurodiverse and I think that's a really fantastic uh, kind of societal shift that we're seeing where we're more aware of these broader structural challenges that we're facing in terms of getting diverse people up to certain positions of, of uh, influence and, and power in the world. I'd love to, to switch over to Hannah, so someone overseas and someone who's worked in Perth, Vienna and London. I think what I'm really fascinated about is that you've been able to, to draw out this career across three countries and kind of build build a reputation and, and span it around um, as you've moved. I'd love to ask, when did you first become interested in your current career path and, and what have been the challenges that you've faced in navigating three different countries and three different landscapes? Yeah, sure. So, so I, I've, I've actually always wanted to be a corporate lawyer. I don't know where I got the idea from or who told me because I don't actually have any, <laughs> any family or friends that... That were that that were lawyers or or involved in law, um, but I think having the background of of a bachelor of commerce and then and then my law degree really kind of helped me to to solidify that interest. I had such a great time at the business school, 
um, and I, I really love business and and the kind of dynamic aspects of that. But then I also really loved my time at the law school and, and the kind of intellectual challenge of, of having a legal problem and, and getting a team together and, and finding a solution. So I think a corporate law career was a great fusion of those two interests of mine. And, um, and I think the, the particular work that I do, I'm mainly in, in mergers and acquisitions, it, you, you really end up as, as a corporate lawyer in the center of what is really quite a transformative time for a business. You know, they're undertaking a huge change or they're being acquired or they're being sold. And, um, and, it, and it's a really rewarding um, job to, to, to help advise people during, during that time and, and, um, and help that transition. So I've always been interested, interested in it. And thankfully I haven't been disappointed. So I've kind of pursued, pursued my practice, but, um, but no, you're, you're, you're right. I've, I've been lucky to have a few different experiences across, um, across the, the three different countries um, in, in slightly different roles in, in Perth, I was involved mainly in the, the Mankell Economic Education Foundation, which um, is a brilliant think tank run by Ron Manners and, and his team that provides scholarship opportunities for students to learn about economic policy and, and public policy. And I'm, I'm still really pleased to be involved with them. Um, and in, in Vienna, a, a slightly similar role um, at the Austrian Economic Center, I was helping provide um, some some English content for them and help them with their newsletters. So it was great to see more of a, a European perspective um, rather than an Australian one, which is um, obviously very, very different. Um, in terms of challenges, I think, you know, apart, apart from the, the challenges that I think a lot of people face whenever they're starting a new role, you know, whether that be you know, just the, the uphill battle of learning the technical and practical skills that you need and working your way around the office and trying to build relationships. I think a lot of the challenges have been surprisingly similar and, and sort of self-inflicted a lot of the time. I think women especially can put a lot of pressure on themselves. I think every time I've started a role, you know, there's, there's always a, a personal expectation for me to, to make sure that everything's perfect and, you know, there's no room for error. And I think when, you, when you're more junior as well, you can often look at your peers and, and just assume that everyone's got it all figured out and everyone knows the answers to everything all of the time. And I think it can really shake your confidence if you let that get to you and, and, and let the, the kind of expectations of what you think you should be in, in the workplace get to you. And, and, and it really did hold me back in some instances where I, where I felt that I had things to say, but didn't think that you know my, my voice would um, would be one that would want to be heard. So I think as, as I've gotten more, more senior and, and have developed more experience, I think you, you kind of quickly realize that no one really knows what they're doing all of the time and no one knows the answers all of the time. And I think as long as you're, as long as you're trying your best and, and hopefully having a little bit of fun along the way, that's, that's really all, all you can ask for. So I'm still trying to, to, to help help others you know really kind of get out of their own head when they're starting their careers and think you know as long as you're trying your best or you know where to find an answer um that that's just as important as you know appearing perfect at every moment absolutely and i think it's so funny that you raised that kind of self-inflicted cycle that often a lot of 
people might go down and especially women when you're starting a new role and I think um, just being brave enough to start saying speaking out and saying things in meetings then has the unraveling effect on that cycle where you then have to say more because you're you're going for it yeah and I, I think as well that there is a responsibility as you as you do get more senior to to be that voice and, and as it's been mentioned in in this talk you know be that voice and, and set an example for other women you know the, when I'm in a meeting and I see an incredible female lawyer or associate stand up for themselves or speak out it it does feel like you've got you almost feel empowered yourself to, to have the confidence to do that too. So I think I always try and remind myself of that, you know, to, to try and set an example and, and, and show the, the more junior lawyers that, you know, it's okay to have a voice and, and speak out. That's fantastic. Thanks so much for sharing that, Hannah. I think, um, I hope our listeners are all taking note to set great examples for the women in, in their circles and their lives. Um, honey, I'd love to ask you a bit about education because I think education is also uh, a fundamental bedrock of our society in terms of growing the next generation. And it's always been important to you personally and professionally. So I'd like to ask how far you think we've come as a society in creating an inclusive learning environment and what are the ch current challenges you see that are facing Singapore in providing a good and inclusive education. And I will put the caveat that I did study in Singapore on exchange from UWA um, and I had a great time there. So it's wonderful to have you on the podcast. Thanks, Haley. Um, thanks for the question. Um, I, I maybe pull back to speak um, personally um, and, and um, in Singapore and then, and then I'll go from there. We, I have had recently the, the privilege to focus on um, inclusion in preschools. And this is about including all children with uh, developmental needs. Um, so those are your uh, children uh, who have been diagnosed and those who may be, um, may be at the low risk or um, very mild needs, but um, with no diagnosis. And um, my focus has been helping teachers and children um, to work together so that every voice is heard in the classroom and um, in, in, in the school that they are in. So this has been really exciting journey for me. Uh, in, in Singapore in 2007, we started an enabling master plan and that's where the government and the communities come together to think about how to um, better support people with disability or children with disability. It's been a very long journey. And for me, I think my learning points have been and speaking um, to about or speaking with uh, uh, links to the um, IWD is that um, it's really like what was reflected with um, uh, Hannah and also Kamala um, about how we are empowering diversity of thoughts, empowering diversity of strength um, in everyone. So from that perspective, I think that particularly ourselves in Singapore, we've done well moving that along. And currently we are working on how to empower um, teachers who are so keen to come on this journey um, and how to put all these practices together 
So it's been for me very exciting um, journey on working with teachers and children um, in the area of inclusion. And I also completely um, agree with Hannah about this self-inflicted journey. Um, and this is, this is um, something I do to myself personally all the time. You know, can you do it? Can you do it? <laughs> um, and, and then wanted, wanting it to be perfect and having to learn along the way that just by empowering ourselves to think um, and just by remembering that we all come with strengths and we have uh, our own um, challenges, um, we, we kind of, as long as we remember that we are able to overcome um, whatever difficulties, whether it's acceptance or, or whatever along the way, um, I think I think if we, we do that, uh, we'll be fine. Thank you. Thanks so much, honey. I think those are brilliant reflections and, and definitely agree with you there. And I think it's so important to have positive self-talk um, especially when we're having those uh, self-inflicted doubts and, and, and questions around our own ability. I always have that third person cheerleader on my shoulder who says, Hayley, you can do this. You've got this. You're, you're the best. So I'd love to give our panellists uh, a few rapid fire questions just to finish off. So the first one is, what is the most important piece of advice you have ever been given? Uh, the best piece of advice that I've ever been given is some advice that I received from my parents fairly early on and I've tried to really embody and live it is you can do anything that you set your mind to if you believe in yourself, but also you need to work hard, make sacrifices and don't give up. That's fantastic. Some some really galvanising words to, to set yourself straight every morning, I think, there. Rebecca, thank you. Hannah, how about yourself? So I think my the, the piece of advice that I turn to most often is I think the fact that life and your career is, is a marathon and not a sprint. I think on social media, there's a real kind of uh, glamorization of, you know, having a side hustle and having, you know, 30 under 30 or, you know, all of these incredible achievements from, from you know, literally from your teenage years which is just it just puts so much pressure on you I think when you're constantly surrounded by people's highlights and it's the same on LinkedIn you know you think oh I'm just I'm never going to be able to do enough or or kind of be be you know this this incredible person but I think you know you've got to really trust the timing of your own life and and I think back to some of um, my own personal idols and even people you know in leadership positions that didn't really hit their stride until their 40s and 50s and, and beyond really and are doing incredible work and I think there's no rush as long as you just focus on what you're doing and trying to do good work every day and just take it day by day then you know it'll it'll all be okay in the end. That's absolutely fantastic advice and I think uh, it's good to remember that life's a marathon and you need to save some energy for those home runs when you're 50, 60, 70, 80. <laughs> Um, fantastic. And honey, can I ask you as well, what's the best advice you've been given? I want to say that um, okay, it's really um, something that I have um, trouble with. And, and that's been really um, 
so emotional about what I do and I put so much into it. Um, and I always thought that it's bad because, you know, sometimes it does get in the way. Um, but I think um, someone told me, but that's where passion comes from. And from passion, a lot of things is possible. Just have to take a breath sometime. <laughs> and you can't remember, get too much. Yeah. 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 And remember that you, you need, need a pause, take a breath, and, and emotion is good. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Okay. And our last question for all of the panelists today is Is there anyone that inspires you in your career? For me, Rather than it being for my career, it's more an inspiring woman, and that is Grace Tame, who's, um, many of you probably are aware, won the Australian of the Year um, last year, and she's an activist and an advocate for survivors of sexual assault. And she really inspires me because she's just so brave and she's stood up for something where usually it's the, the victims, I guess, that carry the shame and the, the perpetrators are often uh, protected and uh, not, um, uh, yeah, in, in a managed in a different way, I guess. So she, she, her bravery and courage, I guess, is, is really inspirational and, and fits in with the, the theme of International Women's Day this year, which is Break the Bias. So I think it's incredibly important to promote equality and equity and inclusion and draw attention to these types of issues like uh, sexual assault. So thanks, Hayley. Yeah, she's fantastic. And anyone who hasn't watched the National Press Club address um, from last week featuring Grace Tame and Brittany Higgins should definitely watch that on ABC iView. Uh, I had shivers down my spine the whole time Grace was speaking. It was fantastic. Um, I'd next like to pass to Rebecca, who in your career has inspired you? Thanks, Hayley. Um, look, there's been a lot of people who've inspired me throughout the course of my career to date. Um, but one that really springs to mind is um, John Poulsen. So he was the former um, Australian managing partner of Squire Patton Boggs, but has more recently um, started his own um, business, People Passion Performance. And he's a personal mentor of mine. Um, and his whole concept is around values-driven leadership and purpose-driven leadership, which I think is really important that you align what, you, what you're doing from a business perspective with, you know, what you stand for personally. Um, but one of the concepts that he's big on, in, in addition to empowering women, which he's always been fantastic at, is the concept of work-life integration. And for me given how many different hats I wear and, and how much I juggle on a daily basis, living that has been really important for me and I have him to thank in part for that. Um, and that's really about not chasing this elusive balance, this work-life balance. Um, ultimately, I don't think there is a balance. I think it's about integrating work into your everyday life and it's whatever that looks like for you. So with me, I have a three-year-old so, you know, if I want to take her to swimming on a Tuesday morning, I absolutely will. But if I need to follow up with a client on a Saturday afternoon while she's having a nap, I also will. Um, so it's really about integrating work in, into your life rather than it taking over your life or, or becoming all-consuming. So um, for that reason, um, John Paulson's a big inspiration of mine and, as I said, a mentor. 
Fantastic. I'll have to um, look at what he's doing with people, passion, performance and follow that a bit more closely. It sounds fascinating. Thank you for sharing, Rebecca. Hannah, who's someone who has inspired you? So I think that the people that have inspired me the most are probably, I mean, for, for starters, Ron Manners at ManCal. I think what, what he's done over his very long and, and incredibly successful career is, is really inspiring. I mean, he's he's well into his 80s now and still is so passionate about giving students opportunities to learn. And I think that's that's something that's really inspiring. But I think as well that the the women in my team, I feel really lucky at Latham to have some incredible um, female and male partners and, and leaders. I mean, the, the two women that, that come to my mind are the co-chair of our corporate team, Farrow O'Brien, and, and a partner in our technology team, Deborah Kirk. I mean, both of them are, are just incredible to watch. And, and I think the world of corporate law, you know, is, is still really male dominated and especially at the top. And I, I think seeing women that are at the top of their game and, and still retaining the, their sense of self and their sense of humor, as I know is being, being touched on, um, is, is really inspiring to see. And, and they kind of, they inspire me to try and be a better lawyer every day. That's fantastic to, to work with people you look up to and who inspire you. And last but not least, Honey, who has inspired you in your career um, and in your life more generally? Mm, for my career, I have this mentor. Um, she was 55 when she went into early childhood education. She's gone over to learn about, uh, in the US, to learn about um, early childhood education. And she came back to Singapore and she started her second career in at, at the age of 55 and continued to contribute very feistily um, into preschool education for the next two decades. Um, she has seen since passed on, um, but I totally valued um, her mentorship and, and just the zest in getting everything right. <laughs> um, um, personally, um, I want to say the person that kind of switched my mind and got me into where, where, what I'm doing now um, is actually Maori Mayberry from the site school in UWA. And my first encounter with him was when he was doing a cognitive lecture. And he, I asked a question and he said, um, wow, that's a good question you could continue to think about it and, and, and put it into a research later on. And I think um, that started me on a very different track and that has always inspired me when I'm stuck. <laughs> Thank you. That's brilliant. Well, I'm so glad that you mentioned someone from UWA because I think my people that I'm inspired by right now are all of you and it's fantastic to see the breadth and depth of where UWA women have ended up and what you're all doing in your careers across the world. It's been absolutely uh, fabulous to hear all of your stories today. And I hope we'll be able to follow your many career successes into the future. Hopefully as Honey's uh, mentor was right up into your late seventies and beyond. So thank you so much everyone for joining me and, and please thank our guests as well. Celebrate International Women's Day on March 8th 
at the university club with an inspiring panel of UW alumni who break the bias and are influencing young women locally and globally to break the mold. The University of Western Australia promotes and supports aspirations to provide an equitable, inclusive environment for all staff, students, and the broader community. Visit the University Club website for more details and buy your ticket today. This episode was brought to you by the Development and Alumni Relations Team at the University of Western Australia.